this series, you guys probably know, is called Refining Life. We're going to go through a season between now and October. Well, it's just going to be all of us in one room, kids, adults. We're going to have a series of Bible stories. Through that, looking at the idea of what about seasons where God has taken his people and he's put them in a place where they've had to wait. They're going through a mysterious time. They don't really understand. They just have to move on. And I am going to kind of do this the way that God allowed me to raise five kids. They've done okay. I now have one grandchild. I tell stories of kids. That's what I do. So I'm going to do that for us. We've got two scriptures that I want us to be working on. In fact, I printed out a cheat sheet. You guys know if you do well, you're going to get candy or a can of beans. I printed a cheat sheet so you can work on it at home. Two scriptures, and I'm just going to each week pull out a couple of words and see what you get. If you get it right, I've still got some beans from last week, and I've also got candy. You choose what you want. For you have been a blank for the poor person. Anyone know the answer? You've been a stronghold. Remember that? We're going to come back to it. And it comes again for the poor person, a blank for the needy. It's the same word. And I'll give it to you. A stronghold for the needy and distressed. And here's a new word. A blank from the storms and a shade from heat. Anyone know what this word is? I'm going to give it to you, and I'm just going to let the whole Maxwell family have it. If you're going through a difficult season, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is focus really hard on who is God, how does he describe himself, and rest in God. This is the scripture we're going to keep using. For you have been a stronghold for the poor person, a stronghold for the needy in his distress, a refuge from storms and shade from heat. Okay, Maxwell family, I've got three cans of beans or a bunch of candy. Which would you prefer? I hear candy. So the beans are going to go aside. I'm going to just give you guys a handful of candy to disperse amongst yourselves. Thank you, Maxwell kids. All right, we got... A scripture, what do we do with this God? And we're going to be looking at stories. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of, anyone know what the word we're missing here is? I think I heard it whispered. Witnesses. I heard, who said that? All right. We have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on. You guys should know this one. This is the question for almost every Bible class is here with all. I'm hearing it be whispered, Colin. Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thomas family, beans or candy? Beans. Beans. Candy. I'm going to, I'll 
this review from the last couple of weeks. For approximately how long was Noah's family in the ark? Over here? One year. Kindle family, beans or candy? Okay. We're going to go with candy. I'm just going to give you guys a handful. All right. I know they were going to be say what mom wants us to say or what we want to say. How long was Jacob separated from Esau before they reconciled? This is a bit of a tough one. I'm a numbers guy. Can you memorize baseball? Baseball cards you don't All right. Now, close, 22 years. No, it was 20. You're right. I got myself confused. It's 20 years. Let's see. Again, beans or candy? Okay, I heard candy. Yeah, here you go. Woohoo! What was Jacob's name changed to? Jacob got a new name, yes? Israel! Yeah, his name was Deceiver or Hill Grabber became Israel. He struggled with God. Beans or candy? You're good, okay. You know, I, my granddaughter's going home. I just have all this stuff I want to do for little kids. Okay, last week's table talk question Do any of you kids know why your parents gave you your name? Is there a blessing? I heard rumors that a few kids talked about this with their parents, but I got the impression that they were a little embarrassed. Anyone want to talk about the, the name that you have and if there's a meaning? Okay, I'm seeing hands with the Maxwell family. No. Okay. Anyone else? Kindle family? Lion of God. You know, I'm going to tell a little African thing. I saw Ariel kind of duck down. She's a little bit embarrassed, maybe a little shy to say this. Tell an African story. My family lived in Africa a long time. We lived in a city. We didn't have lions in our backyard, but we were a couple hours away from a game park where you could see lions. It's kind of like we don't have bison in our backyards in Bismarck or Mandan, but if we go to Teddy Roosevelt Park, we can see bison. Oh, I got hit by, anyway, bison. I'm sorry. I'm from Minnesota. I still can't get my accent right. So you can go and see bison in North Dakota, but we don't have them in our backyard. We can go see lions. One time, my family, we were in our land cruiser, we found a pride of lions, and we started following them, and they were 15 to 20 lions all around us. And they were on short grass prairie, like you just had to show you. And it was just fun. They were walking along, 15 to 20, we're watching, thinking, what's going on here? And then they walked into a place where the grass went from about this side to about up to my knees, maybe about right up to here. And they all laid down. And I looked around, and I knew there were at least 15 lions within 20 yards of me, and I couldn't see a single one. And I remember thinking in the Bible about how God roars like a lion, 
But sometimes it's silent and areology. Go like that and say, well, can I be quiet for a little bit? That's a representation of God looking at you like a woman like this. And it's okay to be quiet for a moment. But remember, God gives you his power lives in you, and there will come a season where you will lift your head out of the grass and roar, and I'm going to listen to you when you pray, okay? Now, this is the story we're going to talk about today. We'll call it Joseph's Refuge, and I'm going to try to make this pretty tight for you to This is a story, if you read it, it's going to take you a chunk of time to read. It's Genesis chapter 37 to 50. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So, this one, in fact, most times when I read it, I have to put down my Bible and go for a walk halfway through. It just challenges me. It reminds me of painful things in my life. I, I, I got, I got into one portion of this this week. And I sat down and I started going through social media, looking up old friends that I knew were going through something that was quite similar to this. And I bet all of us have some wounds in our life. And this is one of these stories that even all great people who talk about the best literature of humanity will read this one. Story is told, Jacob, name becomes Israel. He's got four wives. Twelve boys, one daughter, and he favors his youngest two. He particularly favors his son Joseph. And he gives his son Joseph a coat of many colors, signaling, signaling him out, looking him above the others. And Joseph, like a young person, loves the attention. At least this is my interpretation of it. And God intends to use Joseph, so he speaks to him through dreams. And he has dreams that have Joseph rising above his brothers and rising above his parents. And sometimes even, here I'm going to use it as my illustration. It's dangerous to get so close to a pastor's heart. But sometimes God gives us something and we have to hold it in. We don't need to speak it for a while. Joseph decides, I'm going to speak it. And he tells stories to his dad and his brothers about him rising above them. And his brothers are willing to tell. One day, his brothers are out watching the livestock. Joseph is sent by his dad, Israel, to go check on the livestock, check on his brothers, and they see him at a distance, and they're ready to kill him. They think, okay, we're a long ways from everything. It's like being in North Dakota, miles and miles away from Bismarck, and you look at your phone, and there's no coverage. You're in a free man zone. Do what you want. They're going to kill him. Reuben tricks his brother just a little bit, so let's not kill him, let's throw him in a pit. And Reuben knows his dad is mad at him, and if he rescues Joseph, he'll get his father's favor again. So they throw him in a pit, and then some traders come from Ishmael, which are kind of cousins of these guys, and they take their brother Joseph, and for 20 pieces of silver, I mean, it's like 20 quarters, maybe a little more than that, but that's something symbolic of it. They're going to sell their brother, and they send him to sleep. They take his coat of many colors and they tear it up and they pour blood on it from an animal they've killed. They bring it back to their dad, Israel. And Israel looks at it and thinks, my son has been killed and torn apart and eaten by a wild 
others think they've gotten the best of the whole scenario. Hey, we got 20 quarters. We can go by hand again. Our brother who's got his only promise is gone. And then for 22 years, they watched their father grieve. And it breaks them. The evil that they have done causes them to suffer more than the brother they have done. Joseph goes into slavery and he lives first in the house of a man named Potiphar, who, if I were to say in our terms, he'd be like the man who's in charge of the Secret Service of the United States. He, the, he guards the Pharaoh, the king. And while Joseph is there, he starts at the bottom and he rises to the top. Everything he touches goes well. But Potiphar's wife plays tricks on him and falsely accuses him. And Joseph ends up going from being the top of the household to being thrown in prison. And while he's in prison, he meets two people who have offended terribly, the king of Egypt. One's his baker, one's his chief cupbearer. They both have dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. The chief cupbearer, who's somewhat like the security guy, his job is to give the king wine, but he also tests and makes sure that no one's poisoning the king. He gets elevated and goes back to his job. The baker's killed. He's executed. The cupbearer says to Joseph, I'm going to remember you, but he completely forgets him. So there Joseph sits another number of years in prison. Now, I want to just make sure you think about this one. I'm trying to tell a story in a couple of minutes. When we get done, it's 22 years, and it's a rough 22 years. Some of us have moments like this where you think, I'm working really hard, I'm getting this done, and then it all collapses on you. That's what happens to Joseph. He has to start over and over again. While he's in prison, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream. And in Pharaoh's dream, there's seven healthy cows who come out of the Nile and then they're eaten by seven thin cows. Then he's got seven heads of grain that get eaten by seven thin ears of grain. And none of the wise people in Egypt can interpret the dream. And the chief cupbearer goes, oh boy, I really made a big mistake. I told somebody I was going to do something and I have forgotten about it for years. Oh my. I need to go get back this right. See? says, go get this guy Joseph out of prison. And Joseph shows up, and Joseph is really confident. In fact, I'm looking at my notes, and something I don't think I've stated strong enough or well enough is it's dangerous when you tell a story of humans to make those humans a story. Joseph weaves God's name into every moment of confidence. He is confident of God. He's getting less and less confident in himself as the time goes on. He's confident that God can use him, that God can speak through him, that God can give him answers. But his confidence in God is not his own dream. Joseph interprets the king's dream saying basically what's coming is we're going to have seven very abundant years of harvest. And then it's going to be followed by seven years of drought. So, King of Egypt, what you need to do is prepare during those seven years to store, to put aside savings so that our nation can survive for seven years of time. And the king of Egypt created a little boy. You need a guy who I can really trust. And the only guy he can really trust is Joseph. So he pulls the slave to prisoner and puts him to what we call the prime ministry, the second in command. 
in ministries for nine years. The brothers have gone on with a famine comes. And it's not only in Egypt, it's in Egypt. And two years into their tribes, into the famine, Israel looks at his wives, his children, his grandchildren, his livestock, and he lost his family. Now, you guys saw me. I'm a grandpa. I give away candy over to six years. This is your grandpa. Israel's at this point. There's no candy. There's no candies. He loves his kids and his grandkids. So what do we do? He sends his ten boys out. He says, you know, those are kids get some food. In fact, we invite you. If you can still get up and practice some candies, you can help us and get some food. And his boys go down stumble on Joseph. And Joseph has become an Egyptian. He looks like an Egyptian. He dresses like one. He speaks like one. But he has not forgotten who his brothers are, what they've done, what they look like. And basically, Joseph bluffs his brothers away from this. He tests them. It's sibling rivalry with a twist of revenge but what to me, I guess, is probably what's the name of you with He throws them all in prison for a little bit, then lets them all off in the city. And then he sends them back and he puts stuff in their things and he, he's looking at them. He's trying to figure out what are they really made of. At one point, his brothers come back on their second trip and they come back with his brother Benjamin, the second son that's favorite. Joseph knows that he's going to see what his brothers have with him. He tricks them so that Benjamin looks like he's guilty of stealing the land of separate from him. The land is for the people of his brothers. He'll sell it to him. That's what he's doing. Joseph tricks him. As he's doing that, Here's his brothers talking amongst themselves in confidence. 22 years old, it's something And Judah, the one who was leading them and selling their brother away, comes before Joseph, throws his life at Joseph, and says, Take me, my life for the boys. He can't watch his father grieve on that time. At that point, Joseph sends all of the officials out. And he, I think he starts speaking to people. And he says, Joseph. Now, he's weak-weak. He's thinking he's got this. All his brothers are scared to death. Now, you know, I don't think they can do something 22 years ago. He's catching up with them. Now is Joseph who's heard everything they said. While they're expecting to be punished, Joseph mercifully forgives And he interprets all of this not as the evil that his brothers did, but that God was going to it to save all of his people. The family reconciled. 
Here's a couple of things I want us to know. God's rarely in a hurry. We need to be patient. It took 22 years before Joseph and his brothers left the city. I'm going to keep saying this one over and over again. I hope it comes in my head. The Bible heroes of faith, they're all flawed people. Every story that we're going to look at between now and October, you're going to see folks who need a lot of grace just like you do. The Bible tells life like it is. It's not enough as if it was this. We get to be the heroes of the story. It's true. We're flawed. Grace is our hope. Jesus is our model. Practically, don't give up on your family or circumstances. Beans or candy, stay with them. If God can bring out good out of a family life that's as messed up as Israel's, He can bring good out of ours. He can do it. Practically. Here's something we're seeing. Spiritual maturity moves from pride and competition to awareness of one's own failings and God's grace and purposes. Now, I'll admit this. You get older, we still like to be at times we want to have success, but it seems to mean a little bit less to us as we get older. Pride and competition in some ways, that's the, that's the place to be. It's baseball games and soccer. It's track meets. It's all of these things where you're celebrating the strength of youth. But as time goes on, you start to realize, well, my knees are backwards. My heart's failing. This body's failing. It's not designed to last forever. And I don't do all the dishes. I collapse at times. You became aware of your own failings, and as you become aware of your own failings, God's grace comes. Last thing I'm going to speak to ask. Last week I asked for the boys to pay particular attention to me. I want to ask if you are parenting children, pay particular attention to me. Kids, can you watch the parents for this little type of thing right now? Something that will happen if you have kids is that each child is going to be unique. Each one will have unique struggles. Each one will have unique areas of success. That's being made for God's glory. When you have a child, a multiple, and some are struggling with something and the others did not, or some are having success and the others did not, it can be really easy though you may not really love them all in favoritism, they act on them. That was one of Israel's mistakes. Jacob made a lot of household mistakes. I'm going to encourage you as God's people raising children to look at each struggle of your child and see that as a point where God is shaping that child and nurturing and look at each individual success of your child and see that as God blessing that child and celebrate that. And though your kids at times feel like I'm just hurting cats, it's just so hard to manage all of them. You know, that is, it's a lot more fun to manage my adult kids with a granddaughter than it is three little ones or four little ones. And we've got them all in diapers. It's exhausting. And then it's even funner when it's older. Lastly, I can't finish this, but I've tried to cover 13 chapters of God's Word in a couple of minutes, and I'm confident there's a lot of truth in this thing. Read through this, and if you have some ideas, let us know. Next week, we're going to be in Moses in the Exodus. 
from next week. Ask your kids this. How many children do you think an ideal is ideal to have in your family if you are? That will be a fun question, particularly if you look at the what would it be like when I have grandchildren? We'll start playing with numbers. Ask that. How many children do you think is an ideal to have in your family? Stand up is closing scripture and then a closing blessing. Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance of sin that so easily discourages. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and protector of our faith. For the joy that lay before us, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the closing blessing. The prayer, O Lord, we beseech thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church, because it cannot continue in safety without thy sending. Preserve it evermore by thy help and goodness, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth.